Hey everybody, welcome back to Point of Origin, episode 60, the show where, I don't know about y'all, but I learned the difference today between Peter DeLuise and David DeLuise. That was, uh, <laughs> oops. They look remarkably similar, I'm a, I, and they both have generic oh, names, yeah. so I'm, I'm allowed to, to get fair, away with this. Plus, I was like 10, so fuck to it. To be fair, like, all the DeLuise men kind of look pretty similar, um... I'm gonna be honest, I didn't really know about David DeLuise. <laughs> I knew about Peter DeLuise because of 21 Jump Street, but I did not know about David DeLuise. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is, I just, I guess I just combined them. As I definitely mentioned, like, in earlier episodes, I'd be like, yeah, he's the guy who directed this, and then later he plays, you know, Pete in the show, and it turns out, nope, that's that's the other DeLuise. <laughs> There's three of them, actually. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's another third, other kid that I also they didn't know about. They all the Deloises involved. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. It looks like it was a family effort on this show. That's nice. Honestly, yeah, apparently, uh, well, let's see, this episode is really, uh, trivia heavy, so, anyway, um, blah, 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 blah. his, uh, other sons are Michael Deloise and David Deloise, as we already mentioned, uh, his daughter-in-law and Peter's wife, that's a weirdly phrased sentence. I'm guessing they mean the same person there. I'm guessing they just mean his daughter-in-law, who is Peter's wife. Yeah, uh, Anne probably. Marie DeLuise also appears on the show in later seasons. So, yeah, family effort. But yeah, nice. so today I learned that, uh, no, it is not, fa- it not in fact Peter DeLuise that plays Pete later in the show. It's David DeLuise who does. And then he's the guy who went on to Waverly Place. So, yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't change that much. I still love David DeLuise independently, and I still love yeah. Peter DeLuise, the director. I just learned that there's, in fact, two people there instead of one. <laughs> there's more than one of them. That works. But yeah, that was my big dumbfounded moment. Honestly, the biggest problem with my that I that this episode was a conundrum for me because it was honestly probably my favorite fucking episode as a kid. And yeah, today that's reestablished for me. This is a really funny, awesome episode. And I just, I keep having to remind myself who wrote it. Robert C. Cooper? No, Valenza. Oh, Valenza. Wait, oh, did he? Yeah. I was wondering Wait, why, why you I were keep... telling me that in text. I was like, who the, what? Yeah, no. I don't know, I wish. Man. What was I thinking of? I don't know. Is it because we just had a Cooper, or? Mm. I don't know. I don't know where my... All I can say is that I've had a headache since 4 a.m., and I'm tired. <laughs> well, there we go. Hey, it doesn't matter as long as I you know. know man. I, all I know is that that was that was a hard moment for me. It's like, oh, God, this really is a great episode. And but that's the thing that like his yeah. first episode was good too. No, so, I like, know. I just and I it's and so I, here's weird the thing. That... It's weird that I'm complaining about the lack of sexism. I even noticed in this, but it's just I was looking for certain hallmarks of his that would, were going to piss me off, and then none of them happened. So it's like I really just I hate it when somebody I don't like. Does a good job. It's kind of like when I watch right? something by Tom Cruise. <laughs> you know, it's like he's not a good person. Well, because he's got some seriously interesting personality quirks that I don't care for, and yet he'll do like you know charity acts and shit like that, and then he'll be yeah. an excellent actor. Like I honestly love his uh, dedication to his craft when he oh, chooses yeah, 100%. to. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I think he's actually pretty versatile on top of that. But then I look at him as a person and go, God damn it. Like, can you stop <laughs> making this hard, please? Can you just, I don't know. No. But yeah, so so this is just annoying to me because it's like, dude, I've seen some bad writing out of you. So I don't think you have, I don't think we share a lot of opinions. And then you go and write this episode and I go, wait, do we share opinions? Like, hmm. can you just, can you stop <laughs> like, making wait this complicated second. for wait. me? That's just, you know, life is complicated enough. I don't need this. Right. 
Like, I, I don't need you making things harder for me, my man. Nah. Nah, dog. Nah, dog. Well, um, I'm Mel. <laughs> and I'm Liz. And today, we are covering, uh, season three, episode 16, Ergo. I like the title. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good, uh... I like the subject. Yeah. Well, I think Ergo is a good title because, like, it's a name, obviously. So in a lot of ways, it doesn't say a lot, but at the same time, ergo is obviously a play on the word urges. <laughs> well, that and it's also a play on um, ergo, you know, I think, therefore I am. There, yeah. I think, ergo, I am. Yeah, so he's exactly. a you know, personification of life because he thinks and feels, so. Yeah. I love all of that. This episode's he- hella meta, though, I gotta say. This, it was like, Jesus Christ, is everything in this episode a reference to his work? Yeah. Absolutely, 100%. Uh, so, this episode was written by Tor Alexander Valenza, as you referenced uh, a little while ago. Not whoever the fuck I thought it was. <laughs> I don't know. It's so funny, because, like, looking back, it's like, yeah, that's definitely not his writing style. But the only thing I can think is that the last time Peter DeLuise was directing an episode, Robert C. Cooper wrote it. So my brain just backtracked. It's like, yeah, that that one. Like, no. I don't know, man. My brain's a little tired, so I'm just gonna make do and we're gonna get through this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I believe in us. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Tor Alexander Valenza went back to his origins of, of not writing horrible, sexist, uncomfortable things. Yeah. Yeah. This is a glimpse at what Machalo could have been. Yeah. That's the thing is I'm, I'm, I'm starting to... <laughs> In order to reconcile this, you know, the good writing and everything, I, I, I'm starting to want to believe that, while it's still sexist, I'm starting to want to believe that it's less to do with him trying to make a point about women in Michello than maybe just him falling back on sexist, easy writing, like easy tropes, which in this case, he went with the sexist ones, like, you know, all women are gold diggers and shit like that. Yeah. You know... Why Why make a character complicated when you can just say bullshit? Um, that kind of stuff. Absolutely. I think a lot of that comes down to, um, well, I, w- I would say that, like, when we see things like Spirits of This One, where Tor, Ale- Tor Alexander Valenza is a good writer, I think a lot of it comes down to the same thing we have with um, Catherine Powers, where it's like, it's not the the bad concepts that they're entertaining aren't on purpose like they're subconscious you know they're not going out of their way to be shitty about women yeah but that doesn't that doesn't excuse no it doesn't make (laughs) it better i'm just saying that like when you see that they can write things that aren't (laughs) yeah that's why it makes it harder honestly yeah i know you've you've shown you can think yeah, and right. yet you choose not to in so many aspects. And I say so many because you did it a few fucking times. And it's like, patterns yeah. exist in nature. You can see this, you know, as it is. Oh, no, absolutely. If you chose to look, you know, and a lot of people, of course, you know, just don't bother when it's not something they value. Mm-hmm. I'll leave it at that. But yeah, it's, <laughs> but on that note, he didn't do that here. At least no. I didn't seem to, I didn't get any st- stupid vibes like for example stupid moments from characters weren't in the case of like the female characters they weren't like ditzy or something they, i no, didn't see God, i no. didn't sense any of those kinds of weak points it might have just no, been because i was laughing too hard at the rest of this stuff going on because truly this is a fucking funny episode and maybe i'm just trying to give it excuses in a pass i don't know but meh 
here's the thing. If anyone's ditzy in this episode, it's Teal'c. Poor Christopher Judge. That's a great place for me to say this right here. He uh, apparently was supposed to be in this episode a lot more, but most of his lines were given to other characters because Dom DeLuise couldn't stop cracking jokes on set. So Christopher Judge couldn't stop laughing and he couldn't maintain composure. (laughs) Honestly, that sounds like Christopher Judge, knowing what I know of that man. It's like, right? yeah, he would be the one who could not keep yeah. it together. Yeah, this is On that subject, though, there are a couple instances where I do wonder if, like, because there's a couple instances where Ergo will do something, and Daniel's response is just to repeat it back in, like, total deadpan. And I wonder how much of that was written into the script and how much of it was Michael Shank keeping a straight face by doing that. <laughs> Honestly, I could... I could see it being that second one. He's he's pretty quick on his feet, and he does a lot of uh, ad-libbing well, yeah, shit himself. He did, he did a really good job of keeping a straight face when Christopher Judge suddenly shot him with a water gun. Yeah, exactly. That that kind of not, I mean, as much as you might have seen that coming, at the same time, it had to be kind of startling. So, yeah. Yeah, I did. Like, the way it was, I was like, I wonder if that was actually scripted or if that was just him recovering. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so let's actually um, get into talking about this episode. So the episode opens up with a screenshot of a, uh, one of those freaking, like, background posters of a travel log. <laughs> you know the... It looked it looked precisely like one of those like really obvious fake background <laughs> that you just see for like the travel log things. Except that later on it moves. But when they first show it in this first scene, it's just a still image. And it's just like a beach with a palm tree and everything. It's even better than that though, which uh, this like I said, this episode's really meta. It has a lot of references in it. This one's a cool homage more than anything. Um Uh-huh. It's meant to look like Pensacola because it's from Contact. It's a, it's basically it's the same image that the aliens use in Contact when oh she travels God. through because it's from her memory of Pensacola, Florida as a kid. Amazing. I, I haven't seen the movie in a while. But yeah, she reaches it by uh, by radio as a kid because she's one of those amateur radio, ham radio enthusiasts as a child. Uh-huh. So of course she is. Yeah, of course she is. It's what leads her into being you know, at working at the VLA. And then once all... Everything happens, and the climax of the movie happens, and she reaches the aliens. They look like her father, and they choose an image that's supposed to, you know, calm her or whatever. And it's of their approximation of Pensacola, so that's kind of what this Mm -hmm. is supposed to be referencing. And I love it, because Contact is one of my favorite fucking movies. Ugh. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so they're looking at a mouth reading from the other side of a gate, and it's, uh, an idyllic-looking, uh, beach. And it starts with Teal'c. Because they're like, oh yeah, it looks it looks like an untouched paradise. And Tilk just goes, oh, well, appearances may be deceiving. And then Jack just decides it's time to be weirdly competitive about nothing. <laughs> and he just, he, his response, I have to read this whole exchange because it's just like, it's, it's proof that Tor Alexander Valenza can be a good writer. Right? I just love the whole trading proverbs element. <laughs> yes, yeah, so Teal'c's appearances may be deceiving, and Jack goes, one man's ceiling is another man's floor. <laughs> Daniel says, a fool's paradise is a wise man's hell. <laughs> and Jack's like, never run with scissors? <laughs> I apparently have started something, so now I must finish it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm not backing down, you're backing down. <laughs> 
this this scene sums up the internal war that goes on in my brain for the rest of the episode, and that is, who the fuck am I in this episode? <laughs> I don't know, but I'll be sarcastic about it the entire time in my head. Oh my god. It's, yeah, I just, that, that was such a gr- great, strong opening. <laughs> and then, like, even after Hammond's like, can, can you guys stop? Can we get Children. To our job? Um, even after he, like, you know, sends them out, Jack still has to have, like, the last word by being like, it's all fun and games until someone breaks a nail. <laughs> then it's fucking agonizing. Yeah, it's the worst, man. And then we... <laughs> Poor Alexander Valenza clearly likes Jack a lot. <laughs> because then we get, as they're walking up the gate, up the ramp to the gate... Jack says, au revoir, mon général. And then Teal's like, what does that mean? <laughs> and Jack's like, it means ciao. <laughs> means adios. Means auf Wiedersehen. Means sayonara. And then, of course, right when he's about to finally say the English word for it, they walk through the gate and it gets cut off. Which is great with the directing. It's like, obviously, that's where you cut it. That's where you cut it. (laughs) Hell yeah, and the transition itself is excellent. Yes. Because they, the gate cuts, because they walk through, so we don't get to hear him explain to Teal'c. Which, poor Teal'c, he probably never got to find out what any of those meant. That's the real tragedy of this episode, I literally just realized that. Teal'c still doesn't know what, what chow means, or... (laughs) How much do you want to bet there was a scene where he was going to get to hear it, and then they had to give it away because he couldn't stop laughing for some Probably. reason? Probably, yeah. Um, but yeah, so the the gate cuts, and then we see them walk through another wormhole, except instead of out onto a beach, they're walking back into SG-1. Just I like, love the transition, it's cool. It has a real feel like Alice in Wonderland stepping through the mirror. Because it's just a bam, bam transition. Like, the gate closes to cut off his joke, and then suddenly they're walking back in through the, the Stargate at SG-1. It's a really sharp transition. It works really well. But then, of course, we know Peter DeLuise is a good director, so... Yes, yes. This episode, it took me until, like, halfway through my notes before I finally had a note on how much I appreciated the directing, because I was just too busy laughing. You were at... enjoying the, the father too much. Yes, sorry, that sounded really wrong to me for a second. So it took me a (laughs) sec to get through that and figure out what that meant. (laughs) But yes. Uh, But yeah, so there, but when they walk through, there are two mounts in the uh, gate room. And they're like, uh, what's going on? And Hammond's like, uh, you guys went through 15 hours ago. (laughs) And they're like, "No, no, we just stepped through. What are you talking about? Which... I don't know if they should be that shocked. This isn't the first time this has happened to them. Yeah, honestly. Like, at this point, you should you should honestly already be at the stage that they have at the end where they're kind of like, wait, fuck, really? God damn it. Like, kind of resigned to it. This should, this should, this should just be always... This should already be a thing for them at some point. To the point where, like, you're here, where you're coming exactly. through and things are very much not what they seem, and you're like... <laughs> Fuck, well, this is happening again. Cool. In like another episode or two, just like when that happens again, just be like, God damn it, not again. (laughs) Just like softly. God damn it. There's there's this scene that's meant to be dramatic, but I always just crack up. Uh, It's from like the last season of uh, Star Trek Voyager, and it has me on the floor because 
they're going through time pockets. Uh, uh-huh. The first officer is escorting the captain through time pockets. Uh, and she's a past version, version, so she's got no idea what the fuck she's seeing. And uh, as they go through one pocket, they see a bunch of unconscious crew members on the ground. Just like, you know, low-level, kind of like red alert kind of shit going on, but nothing like, no over-damage, nothing like that. And the yeah. captain asks what's happening, and he, the, the first officer, he just kind of starts listing things that it could be. Because it's been seven seasons of storytelling, so it could be any. So it's of been these a few. They've quite been through easily. A, yeah, they've been through a few dramatic instances, and it's great because she looks at him at a certain point after he's listed like two or three things, and he it's like what she's like, Jesus Christ, man! Like, what the hell have we done? <laughs> like, what? And I'm sitting there giggling as a kid. I remember watching it the first time, my mom being pissed because, you know, this was before pausing, and she's like, shut up, shut up, because this is supposed to be, like, dramatic, and I'm giggling on the floor, and That's it's like, fair. come on, man! Like, how is that not funny? So, yeah, the, I get the same kind of feel with this, and, and, and with that moment where he's, like, listing events, where it's like, he's just kind of like, well, it could be this thing, well, or it could be this thing, or it could be that time we almost got eaten by an entire plant in space, you know? Who knows? <laughs> And that's all right. Like it's just like you know a day that ends in Y for him. Yeah. Uh huh. They should already be there because it's been like two or three instances now of shit not being the way it should be upon immediate gate use. Yeah. So as as soon as they come through and people are like, "Whoa, what the fuck?" You should be like, "No shit, whoa, what the fuck?" Like you should already be down. <laughs> like, no, goddamn it, what, what, no, what? <laughs> like, why are you what looking now? like that? <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck. Like you should be panicking. Oh my god, my audio. <laughs> I'm just gonna turn it down a little bit. Hopefully I'm not fucking myself up, but it's like spiking like crazy. I I heard how bad it sounded last time, so now I'm like terrified. <laughs> uh but yeah, so they go to Medbay, obviously, because they don't remember what's happened. Sharp transition. Boom. <laughs> That's how quick the cut is in the show, too. First off, I love how you can kind of tell how much they had to cut around potential laughing and stuff because of like, just some dramatic cuts. <laughs> like, sharp, like, like wait. Oh, I feel yeah. like a second extra would have been a little more natural there kind of thing. And I feel like it's not their fault. And uh, with that in mind, I love whenever a shot is intact, I love how much framing he does in this. Like, the little group shots of them in the corner yeah. sitting there like, God damn it, now what's going on? Because they do, they revisit that kind of imagery a few times in this, and I really, mm-hmm. I appreciate it. I, I like Oh, there's one framing shot that happens in a little while where I'm like, did you do this just, did, did this extra make you mad? Did you do this just to torment this extra? Dude, I feel bad for the extras in this because there's a few times you're like, you, you got it? You, you okay? You okay there, dude? You okay? How many takes are you in at this point? Because you are struggling. <laughs> yeah. But we'll get to that. So right now we're at Med Bay and they're like, well, we got to figure out what's going on. And Janet's like, I'm not seeing any external signs of any problems. There's no struggles. You know, what do no you last remember? Marks. Yeah. And what do you last remember? It took like Colonel O'Neill was explaining the meaning of chow. <laughs> Which is not quite right. I guess, like, it's one of the things he was explaining the meaning of, but au revoir was the first thing he was... It's probably too, because, like, I'm not going to try and say that word. <laughs> he probably started to be like, O'Neill was explaining the meaning of, and then he thought about it, and he's like, I'm going to go for an easier one. Ciao. Because <laughs> God forbid I'm not a smart ass about it. Yeah. So... They find out from Hammond that they didn't come back on schedule, so SGEC sent through a second map, um, but they got the same image of the alien planet, 
But then right before SG-1 came through, both maps got sent back, which is why when they came through, you specifically see that there are two maps in the gate room with them, which is not business as usual. So it's something to notice. And, you know, they're just like, well, you know, we'll try and figure out because obviously there's certain testings that Janet does that's going to take a little while to get the results back. So we did some testing, but, you know, for now, that's it. We'll, we'll get back to you when we have a little bit more information. There's no obvious signs to go from right now. What are they testing? Like hormone levels, cholesterol? I've always wondered what those long term. I don't I'm not I don't have a problem with it. I just yeah. don't know enough. Yeah, so they I'm kind of sitting here going like, "What the fuck are they testing?" I I just I'm trying to think well, we about know like for what people sure need they tested. were definitely taking some sort of brain scan, which makes sense in yeah. a fucking thing where you're going against the but gold. That those if, are still if pretty instant. Are losing memory, you take a brain scan. I don't know, man. Yeah, but those are still pretty instant, and so I'm thinking well, like long term shit. Like what needs to I be will, sent out? You know. I will say with like in this case. The thing they get the answer for is just like a brain scan or something, but it was something that took time to analyze because it was so small. Like, she makes a point of, like, how much she had to zoom in to see, to find it. So I, so I feel like the mistake lies there then, because I feel like that's a zoom and enhance cliche being used there. I don't I know mean, how yeah, that definitely. works. But, like, zoom and enhance cliches have been, they're still around. We're not getting rid of them. <laughs> so I still wonder when people say, like, I need to send out some labs or some shit. I'm like, okay, is there, like, just a generic panel that people do? Or does it have to be modified to each patient? In which case, dear lord, no wonder you have to go to school for so many years for this shit. Right. Um, I feel like every time they have something like a broken divide, they have a new thing to test for. Yeah, well, I'm not talking about that one. I'm talking about, like, your average panel that, like, you probably run on a team when they come back from, you know, a an average mission through the gate. I'm assuming there well, has to be a generic panel there. Well, for an mission, yeah, there's probably just a generic panel. But, but when they come back and have forgotten 15 hours, that's yeah. where you well, do the well, big that's one. Well, that's the thing is yeah. it's good to do that generic panel, too, because that's a baseline you can compare things against. So I'm just wondering what it would be. I know enough to know that there, that thing, the concept exists. I just do not know what it would consist of. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so while they're waiting to find out, you know, results from tests and everything, they go to check out the read from the MALP. They show all of SG-1, the second MALP, and it's the exact same image. And they're like, well, you know, shouldn't the first MALP be on screen too? It's not like it moved or anything. Something that Jack does ask about, which I do appreciate the attention to detail. He's like, don't they go probe? <laughs> yeah, shouldn't it probe a little? And we see a little background set up in this scene where he starts pouring him and Daniel coffee, <laughs> which becomes important later. But Sam does this thing where she kind of like plays the frames back to reveal that the the beach scene that we saw was some sort of editing, you know, cover up thing. <laughs> they were being fed the image. So here's my, I laugh at this because I'm pretty sure this is analog, the feed they're looking at, right? Oh, yeah. So this species either, A, has the ability to downgrade their shit enough to be able to, comp to, to compensate and be compatible with a primitive fucking species analog video feed, and yet cannot prevent the thing that gives them away. <laughs> Which I laugh at. Mm -hmm. Or B, they still use analog and still haven't managed to figure out a way to eliminate this problem that gives them away. Either way, I'm confused because I find it really odd that this incredibly advanced species isn't digital. Well, listen, um, I'm going to say one thing. Terrell Alexander Valenza has not 
exhibited a huge understanding of science, considering he thought Sam would be able to tell what kind of metal something was by tapping it with a knife. True. No, this this might just be, you know, true to form there. I just, I'm gonna chuckle at it. And he was also incredibly vague about Michello's technology. Like, I don't think- Yeah, I don't he's more about the call-out is... than, the, than the specifics. Yeah, I don't think tech is Alexander Valenza's- strong point he's hardly alone there so yeah that's fair don't don't ask uh don't don't ask jonathan glasner to do anything science related either yeah so in this case i'm just pointing it out that's like this is funny to me like i remember (laughs) reading like artemis fowl and how like video was like a, a really strong component for one of the stories and i was like okay but you're still dealing with frame by frame, and you're telling me that you guys in your super advanced ways haven't figured out a way to compensate for this yet? Like, there isn't, like, a program that can do this better? Like, no. Really? Really? No. Really? This is like... I mean... This is not fully. actually what like this, but... out of Foley, really? Foley I, I understand that the story has to adapting happen. Adapting things that don't need to be adapted and ignoring things oh, that should probably yeah, no, be don't, adapted. Yeah, don't watch that. Don't watch that adaptation. That is some garbage adaptation. I wasn't even making a veiled <laughs> reference to the movie, yeah. but sure. Yeah. This is not like the same, but this always makes me feel the same, which is Isaac Asimov. He wrote so long ago that he couldn't even his futuristic shit is still inspiring sci-fi today and yet he was writing about vacuum tubes because he uh-huh. was so long ago that technology he couldn't even comprehend of a different type of technology like this was a very different era so i uh i don't judge him no so that's why it's not the same <laughs> yeah also this episode has a real um like 80s callback feel to it. I don't know if all I, all I kept getting the feel of specifically wasn't like the uh, time period so much as just I kept thinking of freaking uh, Mel Brooks pretty much constantly because of, that's fair. Mostly because of that tenor scene, which made me start thinking over and over <laughs> again of his tiny little scene at the end of Blazing Saddles when he's directing the like choir chorus and then he like falls yes. into like the little stream brook uh-huh. thing and he just shit. <laughs> I just love that scene. That was one of my favorite lines in this entire episode. <laughs> but um no, I got I got a real like Mork and Mindy feel <laughs> to this episode. <laughs> like that the really out there 80s sitcoms that they would have. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so she she backtracks to the frames and reveals that it was not indeed a beach, but some sort of like futuristic high-tech looking lab sort of area that's obviously advanced beyond their own technology and yet has questionable video editing video editing skills man them vowels (laughs) but yeah so they're figuring that out and then just like daniel just decides to interrupt the entire meeting to tell everyone how good his coffee is (laughs) jack's like yeah yeah i was gonna say the same thing (laughs) what is that cinnamon I don't know, it's chicory. <laughs> I had to look that up. I was like, is that a fucking thing? And yeah, it is. Apparently chicory coffee is a big thing. And I'm like, does SG-1 spend extra money to get chicory coffee specifically? 
I could see like, Daniel I can... getting some important coffee. Yeah, yeah, I could buy Daniel being a snob and like hiding yeah. it in the yeah. in the briefing room oh, just yeah. for him. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, he'll steal your newspapers, but you can't drink his coffee. Exactly. I buy it, but like when Jack said cinnamon, I was already like, why would SGC have cinnamon coffee, Jack? And then Daniel comes back with chicory, and I'm like, okay, I have to look this up. I have to fucking look this up. <laughs> I would pay. Every cent I have, and every cent I will ever make, I would pay it all to be a fly on the wall during the making of this entire episode, because I feel like it would be- I I feel like it must have been a very happy time. It definitely makes me think, like, it it gives me the same feels I imagine a lot of filming for Psych was. Where there's just a lot of comedy and you keep having these interruptions for for ad-libs and all that kind of shit. And it's just just a lot of fun. Although I do wonder, so as much fun as I'm sure they were having in some scenes, I do wonder if there were some scenes where the main actors were suffering. Suffering. Because um, there's a notorious thing for most actors. Some actors decide to make their lives harder. Uh, Speaking of psych, James Roday would squirrel food into scenes. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. squirreled food into the Avengers, and they were like, where are you hiding this? Stop it! But, like, notoriously, any scenes where an actor has to eat on screen suck, because you have to do it, like, 20 times. And there's one scene in particular where everyone is stuffing their faces with food, and I wonder how unhappy they were by the end of that scene. (laughs) Especially because Jack was really stuffing his face. Richard Dean Anderson, I wonder how how lethargic he was after that scene. Maybe maybe some of these were like only two or three takes because they were desperate to get through anything they could as fast as they could because they kept wasting time on laughing. I could always see that being an element yeah. to the same maybe. these guys. Or you know, or not. I would just laugh if that's the case. They're like, No, seriously guys, you're 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 lucky this time. We're doing this now. Don't fucking yeah. laugh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so and then we get one of the one of the scenes that best lives on in my head for this episode where after jack and daniel and sam are all like wow this coffee's really fucking good tilk just grabs the entire pitcher and what i love about the the visuals for this scene is they make a point of showing steam coming from the top of this pitcher of coffee it is clearly hot coffee and tilk just pours the coffee down his throat from the pitcher d- directly and just like drinks the whole thing down and and everyone's like Tilk? So it's like isn't that hot? And Tilk without missing a beat no flicker of emotion on his face just goes extremely <laughs> the audience can't see you massaging your throat gently <laughs> my esophagus hurts Seeing that made me think of how I can't wait for egg drop soup to cool down and consistently burn my tongue on it when I order it. <laughs> I don't think I've ever ordered egg, egg drop soup and not wound up with a burnt tongue by the end of this. I, I'm just remembering this one time when I came home and I was feeling very, uh, I had a stressful day. And it was one of those moments where he's like, you know what, fuck this, I want a shot. And my roommate went, okay, here, I'll pour you a shot. Uh, we have... Oh, we have rum, or we have rum, and I was like, uh, "Give me the, give me the cheaper rum, because the cheaper one oh, also." No. no, here's the thing: the cheaper one also happened to be like regular rum. 
the ah. expensive one was something that someone had bought me for some reason, and it was insane proof. It was stupid high proof. <laughs> so naturally, that's the one she grabbed on accident. Oops. Yeah, I'm not sure how she uh, mistook the glass bottle for the plastic one, but whatever. <laughs> uh, so she pours me a shot of shit, you. right? And I believed her. I believed her. But I, I just tossed it. I just oh. did it. I just shot it. And uh, I literally felt my tongue pickle. Oh, no. I could feel it shriveling in real time as it, like, just all the moisture sucked out of it. Um, but then, honestly, what I remember the most is, well, before I threw up, was uh, the uh, my throat was on fucking fire. Yeah. Boos do that. <laughs> I've done a shot of Everclear once, again, in a moment of stupidity. And that I was prepared for, so I honestly feel like that rum that day actually hurt more because of the pure shock value. Because you weren't ready for... No, uh... I was not. But I, when I, when I watched Teal toss that coffee, I'm sitting there going just, oh, no. No, no, no. No, that's a pain. That's a, that's a, that's a fire of 10,000 suns, man. No, no, no. The esophagus is so soft and so sensitive. Why do you do this to yourself, Teal? Alright, so. so everyone's a little weirded out, and... Hammond's definitely like, okay, well, something's going on. Um, stay on base. We'll figure out what's going on. So they all split off. Uh, Sam goes to do research on the melt, probably to try and figure out how the fake image was sent through the melt. We never get, like, a direct explanation, but that's probably what it was. She was sitting with a team working on the melt. I'm assuming that's what she was doing for it. But uh, Jack, specifically, is in the mess hall eating pie and he takes like a bite of pie and he just gets like this mystified expression and just like just chow shoves the whole thing <laughs> he chows it down real quick and then we get like these cuts to everyone else in sg1 who suddenly like stops whatever they were doing looks up like they heard like a dog whistle and then just walks off and they all meet jack in the mess hall where he has gotten an entire table full of sweets my only thought there was, as usual, I love Daniel's screensaver as he walks off in a food haze. Yeah. <laughs> food trance. Food trance. But yeah. Yeah, all the sweets. So, yeah, it's a table full of sweets. And I love that there is a table of extra airmen right behind Jack who haven't even paused to look at what he's done. How many trips did it take him to fill that table? And they don't care. They work at SGC. Weird shit happens. See, they're they're aware of their surroundings. They don't even act slightly confused. They're like, whatever's happening, this can't be. It doesn't seem it's to be. It's not out of dangerous yet, so, so whatever, fine, whatever. But I do love that. Like, th so they meet and they're all shoving their faces, um, and like, oh my god, this tastes so good. Oh, holy shit, you know, just like, it's it's the other scene that if people if you say ergo, this is the scene everyone thinks of. Yeah. It's where they've got the table the full jello. of jello and the whip. Yeah, it's the jello. It becomes a running joke in SGC, the jello thing down the line. I think this is where it started, was this episode. Probably. I don't think I remember jello being in the show before this episode. Oh, I wouldn't even know anymore. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they're, they're like just talking and everything, and they basically get called to medical. Because uh, Janet has found something. And they actually, you know, they get up and like, okay. And they just leave a table full of food there. Although Jack comes back to grab one more slice of pie on his way out. Mood. Now see, that's me. That's me in a nutshell. 
But I like that, like, as they walk out of the room, the camera pans back slightly, and you see an another extra just off to the side who was off camera while they were talking at the table. And she's just standing there staring at the table full of food. Like, what the fuck? Also, like, now what? <laughs> yeah, who's gonna clean this up? I'm not! That was really just the service industry stare, like, cut off. Yeah, it's like, fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> but yeah, so they go to medical, and she shows them what looks like a um, a pixel error <laughs> in their brain scans. And she's like, I zoomed in, and there's like a fucking machine in your brain. <laughs> I'm like, uh, how do you get rid of it? She's like, I don't without messing giving you brain damage and jack's like give me a downside <laughs> which i don't think your day's been bad enough to be saying that yet jack. yeah it's like so far all you've been doing is enjoying pie so yeah but yeah so they're like well we don't really see it doing anything to you yet doesn't seem to be threatening you at all but we don't know what it does and we don't know how to remove it or you know turn it off or whatever the fuck it's doing so until we can figure out what to do about this you guys are in isolation so we go to a big old i think it's the same room that daniel got shoved into when he got infected with michello's little crazy mites the sequester room yeah and they're all hanging out there daniel and Teal'c are playing chess jack has a game boy that dates this episode <laughs> yeah because it's a game boy color <laughs> God, I don't even know where my old Game Boy Color is. Jeez. I think I actually do know where that is. Never mind. I think I could haul that out right this moment if I wanted to. But that being said, that that still dates this episode. I can't haul out my Game Boy Color because I gave it to my brother. That but I do dumb. have a Game Boy Advance. Well, it was a trade-off. I gave my brother um, a Game Boy Color and my parents bought me a Game Boy Advance. Like they said, okay. if you give your okay. brother your Game Boy Color, we'll buy you a Game Boy Advance okay. for your birthday. Okay, not bad, not bad. <laughs> but yeah, so they're all hanging out, entertaining themselves quietly. And then suddenly, while they're hanging out, they just suddenly hear this boring. And Jack's like, who said that? And they're like, what? We didn't say that. <laughs> And, uh, basically, Ergo shows up, and he's like, y'all are boring, let's go somewhere, let's do something, this room sucks. <laughs> I'm like, uh, sorry, who are you? <laughs> and he, like, introduces himself, and he's Ergo, and it's, it's Dom DeLuise. And here's where, from this moment on, all of the extras are gonna be struggling. Apparently everybody was struggling. Christopher Judge especially, which is why he's not in this episode very much. If any of the main cast were gonna break regularly, it feels like it would be Christopher Judge. Which is wild, because his character is the exact opposite, which I would say says a lot of great things about his acting. But anytime we hear, like, about Christopher Judge himself, he's always, like, a huge fucking jokester trickster kind of person so but yeah so he introduces himself and jack confirms that uh a background extra airman cannot see ergo <laughs> and the guy's very patient with jack jack's like is there an intruder in this room and he's like no <laughs> and jack's like okay thank you very much <laughs> Just like... and he doesn't and no one no. questions anything 
because it's SGC. And security means also, nothing. It's, also, it's Jack. This guy's probably like, is this a test? What's going on? Say nothing and wait for alarm bells. <laughs> also, the last time someone was sequestered in this room, Daniel was being attacked by brain mites. So, like, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. It's like when you see a spider in a corner, and then that spider never actually officially died on the record, so now that room, it just so now- exists <laughs> as the spider room. It's the Phil- I showed you the Phil Jupiter sketch, right? About yeah. spiders? Yeah. Where he talks about the categories of spiders, and he's like, this category of spider, if you lose sight of it, well, you've lost that that room, you have to board it up. You can't go in that room anymore. This category of spider, if you lose sight of it, well, you gotta sell the house now! <laughs> Hope escrow's nice this time of year. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Phil Jupiter is fucking hilarious. Um, but yeah. So she, fi- Sam, figures out that they're seeing him because of the thing in their head, and Ergo's like, "Oh, you're so smart. I love you for that." <laughs> you know, just like Ergo loves everything except boredom. <laughs> well, you'll discover that very quickly. He gets very excited about things. But if you're just staying in one room with not a lot of um, uh, exposure to things, he's just like, ah, come on. He's a child, which makes sense when you realize that he's like a newly created sapience. Yeah. He's trying to collect new experiences and he's trying to do it through SG-1. No, yeah, the way that he's written is perfectly believable entirely. A verbal toddler. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> he does act like that. But yeah, so they, they're they basically figuring out what's going on with him. Uh, they figure out that the way that they all went crazy for the dessert table and the coffee was because of him. At least here they're taking it in stride. Yeah, <laughs> I do love that, like, he's trying to get them to leave the room and he, like, tries to adopt Jaffa terminology and he's like, can we go someplace that's not here? You know, someone that's not here? Cree, anywhere. <laughs> you heard me. Cree. Cree! I thought the same thing. I was thinking exactly the same thing. And there's a moment later on, too, where he straight up calls Teal Jaffa Cake. He's, he, he was a hoot. <laughs> he definitely... There was definitely a lot of it. I wonder how... What, I You know how sometimes characters are written knowing a certain actor is going to play them. And by this point, they had Peter DeLuise on SG1 long enough that I bet Dom DeLuise was a guarantee. Like, do you wonder if, like, the script was just a lot of open space? Like, let him just talk here? Probably. I'm guessing it was mostly (laughs) guidelines. Yeah, just, like, cover these points. Do it however you want. I can see a couple of dialogue bits for the uh, main cast being respond appropriately here. Yeah. Because it's been three seasons. They know that these these actors are smart and witty and quick. So yeah. I'm guessing uh, even though of, like, poor Christopher Judge couldn't keep a straight do. face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we cut to the med bay and they're trying to explain to Janet their experience. And she's like, well, what does he look like? <laughs> and Ergo poses so that they can describe him as perfectly as possible. And Jack's only answer is a famous tenor. <laughs> can I tell you, like, I, 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 I said I had a real, like, 80s Mork and Mindy feel. Uh, but as soon as you said Mel Brooks, I was like, yeah, no, that's actually what this is. 
This is just a Mel Brooks film on an episode. Right? Now, I get a lot of that kind of stuff. Like, like for example, um, you know, according to the trivia here, I haven't actually seen this movie, but now I kind of want to. The famous tenor Jack is referring to is most likely Luciano Pavarotti. Uh, Dom DeLuise himself played a character caricature of an opera singer in The Adventure of Sherlock Holmes' Smarter Brother. I have not seen that, but now I want to. <laughs> yeah, I immediately thought Pavarotti as well. But yeah, so they're trying to have a conversation with Janet about what's going on. And of course, like a child, uh, Ergo is going, what's this? What's this? What's this? <laughs> and he points at a defibrillator. And Sam is like so patient and just like talks to Janet, talks to Ergo. <laughs> and Janet is like, God, I don't, uh, I think she's talking to Ergo. <laughs> but um, she's explaining what a defibrillator is to Ergo. And Ergo really wants to try one out. <laughs> And they're like, no. But then he starts to encourage Tilk to do it. And Tilk just gets up and walks over to the defibrillator and turns it on. And thankfully Janet is standing right next to it and immediately turns it off. And is like, what are you doing? And then Tilk just kind of looks at her and goes, oh. And walks back to sit down again. In a more serious episode, that would be like an echoing of his past as a victim of a parasitical nature. Oof. But not in this one. <laughs> We're not here for a long time, just a good time. <laughs> but uh, they're basically saying, like, you know, he doesn't control us, but he can encourage us or make suggestions, and he can make us enjoy something more than we normally would. That's where it's a uh, that this is this episode got perilously close to being something gross, and I'm very glad they had skirted <laughs> that edge and then oh, yeah, hard yeah. left they... it away from it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, they're like, yeah, he doesn't like to answer direct questions. And Ergo's like, what are you talking about? I love to answer direct questions. Ask me anything. Okay, tell us how to get you out of us. Not that. Don't don't ask me that. Duh. Duh. <laughs> this episode held up for me, at least, in all of the ways, especially him. There's something about, and I'm not saying, like, okay, I don't know if I've ever said this on this uh, show before, but I have an unironic love of, like, the cheesy 80s nostalgia films, like, those kind of things. And there's, and it's not in the, quite the same category, but there's something just so perfect about, like, the comedic pacing of, like, these older, like, Dom DeLuise, like, from that era, where it's just, like, there's a time, there's a timeliness to the comedy that I just really appreciate. No, it's, it's you know, going with that, I, I always loved, you know, Robin Hood Men in Tights. You know, to use I his prior Hood work. Men in I love yes. him in that when he's talking the first, and they're finally just like, "Okay, seriously, what the fuck? I can't understand what you're saying." And he goes, "Oh, sorry." Pulls out giant cotton swabs. I just came from the yeah. dentist. <laughs> like that harmless humor. That's why today when people like try to get me to watch shit like Jackass, I'm like, seriously, t no, walk away. Not even remotely interested in that shit. Please walk away. I do not find that humor humorous. And this is why I like the yeah, old to be stuff honest, where it's actually that's, funny. Honestly, that's why a lot of times I'll uh, prefer like British humor over American yeah, like humor Monty of Python. like the mainstream stuff. Yeah, because British humor humor is usually more of the uh, where it's based on um, the God. I can't even think of the term right now. Where it's so ridiculous and extreme, I can't think of the term. It's what Monty Python is built on abstract and ridiculous absurdist thank you i couldn't think of absurdist i love absurdist humor and all of like the side categories of absurdist humor 
That is the kind of humor I go for. While Dom DeLuise's humor isn't quite absurdist, it comes from the same it's spirit. Pretty close. It's pretty much. It, it's it's yeah. If it's, if it's not absurdist, it's it's very. It's a kissing cousin. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I think it's got the same spirit to it, which is why I appreciate it. Because there's nothing hurtful about it. There's nothing. Because ba- a lot of like, mo- although I will say, I will say, um. It's not as common now, but like during like the mid 2000s, the the most common uh mainstream American comedy was built so much on like mean-spiritedness or uh secondhand embarrassment, and those are my least favorite types of comedy. Yeah, it's not funny. Just so mean. I hated it, but I loved like Monty Python or Clue or Princess Bride. You know, just, like, the ones that have, like, the absurd humor that's just, like, it's harmless. You know, like, what, what, why not? <laughs> like, the, in the same way with the cotton balls, or I just came back from the dentist and Princess Bride, the, um, the torture chamber guy going, They picked up despair. Nobody could. And then he just, like, coughs and clears the throat. Don't even think about trying to get out of here. <laughs> He's just, like, it's like, that didn't need to be there, but it is, and it's great, you know? <laughs> There's no, it's not hurting anyone. It's goofy, but it's funny. Who the fuck cares? You know? Early 2000s American humor tried to be smart, and by being smart, they were just mean. And it I'm wasn't not sure funny. if I'd go with it being smart, but okay. I, I don't want to say they tried to be smart, cause, but they were... Tr- well, maybe they were trying to be smart, and they just didn't know what they were... I don't know. They didn't want to go for like the goofy side of the humor, you know? I, I don't know how to explain it. And I understand. I was there. Yeah, but thankfully it's not as much of a staple of humor anymore. There's, like, actual comedy available these days in American cinema and TV. But back then, boy, it was a drought. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so he's... Just Tom DeLuise is pitch perfect in this episode. It's, It's a delight. He's a delight the whole time. And... He he's basically just trying to convince them, like, no, you don't want to get rid of me. I'm I'm in your brain. I know you like me. And it just Jack's like, no, no, I don't. And he's like, come on, just a little, just a smidge. <laughs> and they're trying to figure out, like, why are you even in, in our brains? And Sam has figured out, and he points out that Sam figured out that he's here to experience things. And Daniel compares it to the way uh, human biologists will tag animals to, like, you know figure out where they travel during, like, mating seasons, or blah, 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 blah. you know, get, get data from, you know, he, he compares it to that, which is fair. Although, the way Ergo's doing it, you're getting a lot more information than just tagging an animal would get you, but we don't have that kind of technology to put in, in animals that we want to study. And, uh, they're trying to talk about, like, well, hey, maybe if we go to his creator, because he's, like, obviously, because they saw he came from, like, a little ball piece of tech. He's not biological. So they're like, well, he's some sort of program, obviously. Like, we're going into, like, I don't think they ever actually say AI, but that's obviously what this is. <laughs> uh, no, they, they mention it at some point later, once they're, like, finally realizing that he is alive. They do say artificial intelligence, but yeah. Oh, okay. I think they say it once, and I missed it. <laughs> but yeah, it's obviously, like, this concept of, like, artificial intelligence, and they, they do... I guess this is when it happens later on. They will discuss what makes him... They, again, 
uh, like many authors before him, writers before him, uh, Valenza stumbles over the sapience versus sentience discussion. Yeah, whatever, uh, it's, I'm over it's it. It's commonplace, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not over it, but I have to be. Yeah, you have to be, because it just keeps happening. And so they're trying to figure out, like, well, obviously, you know, you're a program, what if we talk to your creators maybe we can get the information from them and he's like no 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 he's evil you don't want to talk to him he's terrible <laughs> and they're like well you know uh we we got to figure out what to do about you he's like no, no no not them not them and um before they decide to and he basically is like they'll try and kill you you know but <laughs> and i've always like there's another there's somebody this parts where it's like it makes me think of something that happens later in the erics i'm pretty I don't, I don't know how old Eddie Izzard's dressed to kill Skid is because he said he basically is like you know you either get to keep me in your brain or you die. Eddie likes does this repetition of it's death or me, me or death. You've got to decide, me or death. Which is the way he like very quickly said it like over and over again. I was I was immediately thinking of Eddie Izzard cake or death. So he's like you know what do you want to die or to to get me out of you know, to have me or to die and and Jack goes. We're thinking. Which <laughs> is a very we Jack have to response. think about it. Yeah. But so they are, they're at the debriefing room and Ergo is bored. So he's just singing his favorite song, which is the word me over and over and over and over which again. I love how long that goes. <laughs> I do appreciate yeah. that very long take. That was a, it was fun. Yeah. And, like, Jack gets annoyed. It's like, will you stop it? And the poor airman standing behind Ergo just like, me? <laughs> Jack's like, no. <laughs> and I don't know. I think this scene already happened. I think it was, I think it was when they were revealing about Ergo in Med Bay. But there was a scene where, like, I feel like this extra was getting punished by Peter DeLuise for something. Because... It was, this, the camera was on Dom DeLuise, but it was pulled back just far enough to have the extra standing in the door perfectly framed in the shot as well. And it's then like, it's a scene struggling. where Dom is just going off, and you see this guy struggling so much. He even does the thing where he, like, looks up to, like, try right? and he's, just, he's, he's like, maintain, maintain. Especially because he's supposed to not know that Ergo is there. Like, he shouldn't be reacting at all. And this poor extra is working his ass off. He should get hazard pay for this scene. (laughs) I was like, did you make Peter Deloise mad? Are you being punished? (laughs) Can you imagine if that was a threat on on, on set that during this episode? (laughs) You fuck up, you're gonna be in a you're gonna be in a shot with my dad. But um, they're trying to figure out what to do, and they're like, well, you know, we should we should try to find his creators. And they're like, well, what if he's telling the truth about the creators? Like, just the fact that he doesn't want to be turned off doesn't mean he's not telling the truth about them. And so, like, well, Sam says, I think I might have a solution for how to deal with it. Um, and we should probably try that first because it's a little safer. And Ergo, you know, this whole time Ergo is just like continuously like no 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 you know it's it it's pointless uh let's play hide and seek instead and while he's saying that he like closes his eyes and everyone finishes the briefing and walks out so when he opens his eyes no one's there and he's like uh, oh <laughs> but so sam is 
starting to do her work and uh sorry where are we this is where things like a lot of stuff is happening in like really quick progression oh we do get a great bit so most of this episode has been shot um from sg1's point of view so we see ergo there the whole time but uh, the after scene. the debriefing, yeah, after the debriefing scene uh, breaks up and Sam's left alone to, like, try and solve the issue, uh, Janet comes in to talk to her. And we actually get it kind of from Janet's point of view here for a minute, where she doesn't see Ergo in the room. But Sam's like, no, Ergo's here with me right now. And, like, while Janet's trying to talk to Sam... Ergo is clearly also talking to Sam and he clearly doesn't like Janet <laughs> because Sam in the middle of a conversation with Janet goes, Ergo, that's rude. <laughs> Janet's like, what? <laughs> I have to say one thing about this scene, which is there's a goof listed under one of the trivia links that I usually share. Yeah. It has goofs listed. I don't go looking for goofs, but if I see them, I'll sometimes try to find it. It says on here that during the Harvey scene, you can hear Hammond call Dr. Janet Frazier, Terrell, on accident. I played that scene back like nine times. I just heard doctor. I don't know where this guy's coming from, so I think that's bullshit. But other than that, I just want you to know I watched that scene like a bunch. I didn't notice it, but I also only watched it once, so. Yeah, but no, I, I didn't hear it. it if, if they, maybe they dubbed it or something. I don't know, but yeah. Maybe. But yeah, so, um. Then we get that scene, Hammond asks Janet, is that she one actually saying? And she's like, I think so. <laughs> you <know>? Most likely. <laughs> but Sam tells Sam tells S G one that she thinks like basically basically an adjusted EMF pulse will get rid of him. And he's trying to be like, No no no, it won't work. It won't work. And she's like, no, I think it will. Uh, and if it doesn't work, there's no harm in trying, you know? But he's like freaking out. And in him freaking out, he startles her into spilling hot coffee on her arm. And she's like, that, that's hot. That hurts. And, you, and he's immediately like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Which, it's a small scene, but I like it because it, it definitely gives the feeling of, like, a child learning. Yeah. Even the way she tells him, like, that's hot. That hurts. It's a very tiny, tiny moment, but I appreciate that it was put in to this episode because it it just doubles down on the concept of uh, of a sapiens discovering things but yeah so she she's like no i'm gonna try it and like she starts to press a button and he immediately starts to like flicker and like oh no and she's like i i haven't done it yet or go and he's like oh <laughs> and then she turns it on and he like zaps away and they're like hey it worked sweet <laughs> But obviously, SG-1 has learned a little about security after three years. And they're not going to immediately let SG-1 leave. They're like, well, you know, we obviously need to do, like, follow-up observation. But hopefully it worked. Hope you're not a massive security risk the rest of your lives. <laughs> but thankfully, part of that follow-up observation is all of them are being watched on cameras by Janet. And... As Jack is leaving the room from Janet, he... Wait, no, no it's not Jack. No. It's, um... Sam. 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 Yeah, because she Sam brings is the one who starts up if, 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 if your shit... So far, so good. If this keeps up by the end of next weekend, do you want to come sailing with me and Cassandra? There we go. That's that, and that's what prompts it. Uh, because Sam leaves the room and starts singing, row, row, row your boat. And then 
in quick succession, Janet sees from the video feeds of the other SG-1 members that all of them have started singing Row, Row, Your Boat, except Jack seems to barely know the words. <laughs> And I do love that, like, they get confronted with it later, and Jack's like, first of all, I don't know the words to that song. And then they play him singing it, and he's like, and I don't think that really counts as singing. <laughs> if you call that singing. But yeah, so they get confronted with the fact that, no, you did not get fixed. He's obviously still connecting you guys. And, like, as soon as they, you know, call that out, or he goes like, okay, well, you got me, but it did work for a little while. You know, basically, it just kind of, like, reset him, more or less. You know, like a reboot. Yeah. Like, if you unplugged your computer and then plugged it back in, and they're like, okay, well, obviously, our only solution is to go find your creator. And he's like, he keeps being like, no, 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 no. And like, no, obviously, we can't keep you here. We have a job to do, and we can't do our job with you in our head. We can't keep you here. We have to go do this. We have to try and communicate with this guy. So they, you know, send through another map um, to the same location. They get the same fake image, but because they know it's fake, they send a message through like, hey, we know you're, you know, projecting a fake image to us. We need to talk to you. Uh, do they mention Ergo specifically? Yeah, they say uh, it's, uh, I think they say it's alive and it's, uh, we're interacting with it. Not as alive, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's specifically if they say alive. I know that they bring up that they're interacting with it. And that's when uh, Jack goes, he's driving us crazy. <laughs> oh, bef right before they dial through, though, this is where they have that discussion where they're talking about uh, whether he ca constitutes as a life form because of his sapience. And they bring up, like, AI programming and stuff. That's where the God. scene happens. I love that whole bit. I love when uh, Jack's, like, trying to, like, shut something down. And Daniel goes, no, wait a minute, Jack. And Daniel goes, Daniel. In his full-on tone, and I'm just very happy. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. There are a couple of... It's not It's not a heavy married episode for the two of them, but there are a couple of scenes that are very... It's also very, not, not a heavy married yeah, episode. Yeah, exactly, because there's the, the one where Jack was pouring Daniel his coffee. There's the one you just said. And then there's the one as they're talking to the very Wizard of Oz booming voice on the other side of the gate... Daniel's the one, like, talking into the microphone to him, and then Jack, when he comes over to bitch about Ergo, Daniel, like, covers the mic with his hand and just gives Jack the most, like, annoyed housewife let glare. Yeah. <laughs> like, honey, I, uh, I'm dealing with it. <laughs> I'm on the phone. The phone. <laughs> you are not helping, you are hindering. Don't tell them how you already tried to fix the sink, you did not fix it. <laughs> It's very married housewife of ten years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was great. I that's another one of the this this episode has a lot of like shots that are ingrained in my brain. Like the one of him covering the microphone and glaring at Jack is another one. I didn't even know it was from Ergo, but I remember this scene. <laughs> but yeah, so they managed to convince the uh got the the Wizard of Oz on the other side of the gate to let them come through and they come in and uh he very dramatically reveals himself from a doorway and it looks exactly like ergo except he's like ergo's hair was kind of like fly away and like very ergo was very like rambunctious and fly away but this guy's hair is all like very smoothed down and like it's yeah. still dom deloise but he honestly even with with wearing, like, the same clothes and all that's different is his facial expression and his hair is fixed. 
he does a good job of very obviously distinguishing himself. And I also appreciate that Peter DeLuise um, does not fall into the trap of trying to prove that he can film two Dom DeLuises on screen at once. Yes. Whenever they have, like, the two Dom DeLuises interacting, it's, like, the one real shot where they're kind of on screen together. Ergo's in frame, and you see the creator walk past it. Yeah, but that there's like there's like any body double scene, like at the very end, but they save it for like the very end. They don't make it nearly as much of a thing. Yeah, Peter DeLuise um holds back, and I appreciate that. Yeah, discretion tell, is key. You can tell a director is good at their job when they hold back on these sort of things. He had a light hand. That's all we ask. Exactly. Uh, who was it? Was it Martin Wood who also was pretty good about not doing the doubles? It was someone else on this show. It was one of the other directors we like also exhibited um restraint we like a lot of people we do we do but yeah so so we get the creator who looks exactly like ergo and he is basically you know giving them the rundown of what what was going on but he insists that ergo is not like sapient and they're like no he he definitely is (laughs) He's got you the know, fear of death. Yeah, he doesn't want to die. He He's sapient. He's he's a real boy. And they have, like, a whole bunch of conversation with him. Well, fear of death is actually just a qualifier for sentient, but he yeah, also has yeah, additional yeah. shit on top of that, which qualifies him for sapience. Yeah, and they have this... They, they basically redo their own personal discussion about whether he's sapient with the creator and they managed to actually kind of convince him to to listen and like okay well you know maybe he is you know more than you thought he was going to be as usual there's a massive leap somewhere to make this shit always connect and here it's where daniel goes and the best part is by this miracle he's everything you wish you were and i'm like wow that works out (laughs) i think he definitely like took that uh that framing from the fact that that Ergo was made to look exactly like him. <laughs> yeah, but that could also just easily fall into, like, the, speaking of Voyager, uh, the holographic doctor, just the guy who made it just happened to use himself as oh, a template because yeah, it was easy. Absolutely. No, that's, it's definitely a leap, but, you know, yeah. we're at the I just, end of the you know, episode. I love, there's always a leap. There's always a requisite yeah. leap. <laughs> always, yeah. But we're at the end of the episode and we need to wrap things up. Right? <laughs> so, exactly. Um, time for hasty, tasty time. Oh, yeah. The, the ending of this is hasty as shit. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, they managed to convince the creator to put Ergo in his brain instead. And like, even Ergo's like, I don't want to go with him. He sucks. And they basically are like, yeah, but you could make him suck less by, you know, being a good, uh, good influence. <laughs> Speaking of things this uh, skirted the line of, that's almost basically, or isn't, I, I feel like that's still kind of just, you know, blackmail of the emotional variety. <laughs> Also, you know, not to mention the fact that it's that or death, so it's not like you're really giving him a lot of options. Yeah, I just, you know, they just don't touch on any of these dark topics whatsoever. I understand why, but I must point it out nonetheless. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so they convince Ergo to be okay with going back with his creator, and they all get the thing removed from them, and then they walk through the gate. And, uh, you know, we get the immediate cut the same way that, like, when they walked through the gate at the start of this episode and walked back out in the gate in SGC, you know, right away. They get the same exact sort of framing of them walking in SGC and being confused about being back. (laughs) I gotta say, before that, though, real quick, 
Yes. I do I do love that last little bit of awesome dialogue where when they're right after they have Ergo taken out, they're double checking to make sure he is actually alive still. He's interrupting oh, his creator yeah. and Togar's like, I will like, tell oh, them yeah, in a second there. you stop interrupting and Daniel and Jack both just go, Oh yeah, no, he's alive. Yeah, that that was good. I do love because they they wanted to make sure that he didn't kill Ergo. They wanted because yeah. they didn't want him in their brains, but they didn't want him dead either. So like, how do you prove that you didn't kill Ergo? And he's like arguing with Ergo in thin air. I'm like, oh yeah, he's yeah, he's that, fine. That, 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 that tracks. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that out. is a good bit. Yeah, yeah. So I I I'm a sucker for um ending at the beginning. Oh hell yeah. kind of how I, I'm a sucker for this ending, actually, and it passes all my tests because it's it's honestly the, the, the hasty part already happened. This is honest wrap up, which is you know just Hammond so resigned, going oh, fuck yeah, you guys were gone for ten hours. Go to the infirmary. Just, yeah, just, just go. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I do love that. That's the wrap up. It's just like they don't remember going through again. He's like, well, hopefully it fucking worked. Just go through and go go see Janet. Make sure it's not there anymore. <laughs> and I'm surprised out of all the trivia, there's I, nothing here backs me up, but I, I don't... Uh, I did a lot of thinking on it. It doesn't make sense to me that they would have built an entire separate, expensive, potentially expensive set for that rolling door that Togar uses when I feel like they might have had access to the set from DS9 because it looked <laughs> awfully reminiscent of their airlocks, the whole rolling bit. It just I believe I it. I don't know, man. If you told me they actually built it, I it's not like I'm, I'm against it. It just doesn't make sense to me. I'm pretty sure they filmed in the same area. I feel like it could have happened because it just I believe it. It's a whole it's a whole bunch of set to build for what I think is a one-time use. So, you know. But yeah, nothing backs <laughs> me up in the trivia, so I could just be full of shit. No, it works for me, man. <laughs> but yeah, that is the end of the episode. Uh, it's a good episode. It's a, it's a very... You have to watch it to appreciate it, though. Seriously, yeah. it's so funny. Words cannot describe how it's funny. Not, it's not an episode where you're meant to... Like, they do kind of skirt the edge of, like, having a real discussion about sapience versus sentience yeah, and all that shit. Yeah, but they're entirely not, uninterested, and it's As it's I said several times, that's not what this episode is. Yeah. No, they, they they make no apologies for it, too, which I like. They they, they go full yeah. throttle on it, and I'm like, okay, cool. At least you're not, like, being a jackass well, about it. This is, isn't it? It's it's about season three where Stargate SG-1 realized they could have the Sirius and the camp and combine them, you know? That you'd, as long as you, again, use a light hand. Exactly. Like, they figured out, oh, we can have it all. <laughs> we can have the Robert C. Cooper thought pro- or Heather or Heather Ash thought-provoking episodes. And then have Ergo or the uh, Time Loop episode. Like, we yeah, can I can't do wait for that both. One. Oh, yeah. I immediately, like, when I was saying that's not what this episode is, you know, about, like, this episode, I was like, just like the Time Loop episode. The Time Loop episode isn't there to have a thought-provoking conversation about anything. It's to have a Time Loop episode in your sci-fi show. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the one that has one of my favorite lines ever, which is the guy in the background going... Dr. Jackson's gonna die when he sees this. And the other guy goes, what, what again? again? Yeah, I love I'm pretty that sure it's line. that episode. I It's got the same feeling as, um, it's got the same exact feeling as season one of Supernatural with the, the, um, the airplane, uh, demon. 
where they're walking through that um, warehouse and they're talking very loudly about ex uh, about poltergeists or whatever. Yeah. And then someone in the background just goes, "Poltergeist, I love that movie." <laughs> God, I miss season one. That was such a good time. I miss season two. Season two was my favorite season. Don't make me cry again. All right, so yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just uh. Real quick, though, because that, that is a great line from the Time Loop episode, if that is the Time Loop episode. But the one that I've actually quoted to people who don't know Stargate at all, so they can't appreciate my joke, is I've made the in the middle of my backswing. It is a, it is one of the better ones. <laughs> it's like I say it to people who have not seen Stargate. It's like, they're just like, okay, what what does that mean? It's like, it means the show it. I'd been on for a few years. <laughs> It's like me sent. It's like me making a Pokemon joke to you. You're not gonna understand it either. <laughs> so let's wrap this up. Uh, that is it for this episode. Let's talk about nobody died. No one died. Well done. Nobody died. Even though Jack's Jack suggested sometimes it might have been preferable, <laughs> which I get Mood. the nihilism. <laughs> Just like the you know me or death. We're thinking. <laughs> and uh yeah let's do let's do this one first are you a jack or are you a daniel for this episode flip a coin i'm daniel you're daniel it's hard to decide they 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 they, they tug at me from either direction i'm usually jack so i feel like being daniel i don't think there's any point in, in this episode where i'm i disagree with either of them right but i do really feel <laughs> the minor inconvenience might as well fucking die side of Jack in this episode. There you go. <laughs> so I think I'm gonna say I'm Jack for this episode. Just the, do you want me in your brain or do you want to die? I'm thinking. <laughs> Although the, uh, I don't even know the words and if you call that singing, I can't agree with those sides of Jack. <laughs> there you go. I will always acknowledge when I am randomly singing. It's like, yeah, I probably was. But yeah, so uh, Joaquin Phoenix for this episode. Thumbs up. As if that's actually a question. As if that's a question. Yeah. Let me find him on. <laughs> Can I tell you? Tor Alexander Valenza was an even, even score across the board. He had one good, one bad, and one bad. <laughs> At least now, but now it's he's tilting. got two goods. Woo! Yay! Spirits and Ergo. Well done. Well done, Valenza. Um, he's found his niche, I guess. May he stay upon it. Uh, but yeah, uh, I do actually want to ask: Do we want to give Peter DeLuise another tally for this episode? Sure. I liked so it. I felt like we were acknowledging a lot of director things, even if it was just minor stuff like he's punishing an extra in this scene. I, I, just, I like the long takes and everything, and there's plenty of homage yeah, the shit, long, so, and good The transitions. long takes were great, the homages were fun, um, he does really good framing shots, I love the way that they cut between going through the gate and coming back out through the gate again. I love the way it's wrapped around to we end at the beginning. I love all of that stuff. So I think it's really good directing this time. I agree. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think any episode where you have um, someone who only some of the people can see always opens up a good director to great shots. Yeah. And... Peter Deloise proved 
what we already knew that he's a good director yeah <laughs> and he did great shots with that so uh yeah well done peter so um that is it for this week Ooh. next week we are covering episode 17 100 days so the synopsis for this episode is sg1 visits the friendly planet adora and gathers to watch the annual meteor shower that lights up the sky like a fiery rain. But suddenly, your first sentence was good, but I don't like the but suddenly. <laughs> but suddenly, wayward asteroids bombard the planet, destroying the Stargate. Can O'Neill and the team ever return home? Considering this is season three of ten, yes. Accurate-ish. <laughs> but, uh, stay tuned next week to find out how <laughs> you know it's not a bad episode so it actually won't be that bad of a journey i don't think yeah no a hundred days is one of them that like i remember the title like so it's a good one I that's like another it. one of them that i remember it, liking there's it. yeah there's certain episodes of stargate like rewatching it with you um there's been some where i'm like i don't remember this episode <laughs> and it's usually ones that i don't like like pretense i did not remember pretense at all <laughs> And then I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, this is why I don't remember it, because I hate it, you know? It sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do remember um, parts of 100 Days, so that's what we're going to have next week. Awesome, possum. Can't wait. Mm -hmm. But until then, if you want to get a hold of us, you can find me on Twitter at ItsMelNotLiss or our podcast Twitter at PointOfOriginPC. You can also email us at PointOfOriginCast at gmail.com. Or write something on the side of a tissue box and toss it through the nearest wormhole. You can find links to things we talked about during the show in the show notes. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Thank you for joining us on our incursion through the iris. And until next time, 